think it was such a core belief of mine that I felt guilty doing it. So I had to come up with other solutions of like, well, if I'm going to say no to the phone, but we're going to be sitting here for two hours, like what the heck else are we going to do? I don't want to sit here and hear that they're bored for the next two hours. I think I I ended up trying to come up with different activities and making sure that I had that stuff available. All I, I went on Target pickup app and I like added markers and coloring books and you know, just like all these little things that I could find and then got organization bags on Amazon and I just put it all together. When it comes to building a business empire online while intentionally cultivating a thriving life at home with kids, well, there is no roadmap. It's not easy. But the great news is we're not alone. We live in a crazy world that is truly unlike any other time in our history. And if you're like me, you've got an impact of your own to make. But you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with those that you love in order to get it. My name is Stephanie Dove Blake, and this is the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast where we'll journey together to learn what it means to be a truly powerful parent. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast, where we delve into the hearts and minds of extraordinary individuals on their parenting journeys. I'm your host, Stephanie Dove Blake, and today we're joined by a phenomenal guest, Allie Bjork. Allie is a shining star in the digital marketing world. She's a strategist and an award-winning marketer, but her journey wasn't a straight shot to the top. It took Allie six years of hard work, trust building, and self-belief to break the six-figure barrier. And then in less than 10 months, she skyrocketed from there to over seven figures, all while working hard to maintain a balance between her work and her personal life. I really love that Allie brings a sense of adventure and belief that truly anything is possible into her role as mother. She's a testament to the power of intentionality in parenting and balancing all of her professional aspirations with the unwavering commitment to being a present and nurturing parent with some really fun life hacks that she shares on this episode. Her journey reveals that it's not just about achieving financial and time freedom. It is about shaping a life that is aligned with our deepest values and imparting those lessons to our children. So join us as we explore Allie's inspiring story from the trials and the triumphs and how she is winning at parenting intentionally. Welcome back to the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. I am here with the ever lovely and ever freaking amazing Allie Bjork. She is someone who I have known for many years now. We we met so long ago in a mastermind and uh, she's become a dear friend and I just, I love her. I look up to her. Um, just love what she's built in this world. And I'm just so excited to get to share her with you if you don't already know who she is uh, because she, just as powerfully as she shows up in the business world and in the offers that she makes, the same way she is intentionally showing up uh, as a mother. And it's been something since the first time I met Allie, it was one of her most serious determinations to only work a couple of hours a week. And I was like, wow, wow. And, and, and she's done that. And, and so I just want to talk with Allie about that and what that looks like. So Allie, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, Stephanie, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes. Um, and talk to, you know, I think it was, uh, it was Digital Insiders when we first met. We met online and then we got to meet in person. Um, and I, I still remember that about you, though. You had this determination to make sure that you were available for your kids and that you only worked a couple hours a week. Can you talk to us about, you know, why was that such an important thing for you? I mean, uh, there's the obvious of like, well, I'm a mom and I have kids, of course. Well, no, it's not actually what everybody thinks or how everybody chooses to show up um, in their parenting journey. So why was that so important for you? Yeah, that's such a good question. and. I think it was just something it was like an instinct from the time they were born of like 
I want to be uh, available to them to help build some of the values that I have and, and be really intentional about the time that we spend together. And I mean, from the beginning, it was making sure that they have the foundational pieces of learning and literacy and, and like all of the time that I wasn't working, we were doing things like sensory bins and like stuff that you would find in a preschool classroom. And I'm like doing it in my kitchen. Right. So <laughs> I think I think it was just education has really been important to me and making sure that they had those foundational pieces of just really loving to learn. And I didn't feel like I could find the right childcare scenario that could offer that for them. You know, I tried, like I would try, my husband and I talk about this all the time. We tried in-home daycares, we tried centers, we tried nannies, like all of these different options and something never quite felt right. So I knew the the best option was to work very part-time so that I knew that when I was home with them, I could be present with them and do all these fun projects and, you know, really make sure that I had time to be on the floor with them and playing with them because it felt important for their development. Which it is. Which when they were babies. You yeah. were totally on track with that. And and was that how you were raised? Like, was that your childhood? No. I mean, my parents both worked full time and I, I think I went to a daycare probably from the time I was nine weeks old. Um, and not that it was bad. Like, I loved my daycare lady and I have great memories of all the kids that I went to daycare with. Um, but my, saying that, my mom was a teacher and she worked from home in the summer. So I didn't work at all um, in the summers and she was home all the time. So I think we did have a balance of her being around and um, being present with us. But I, for some reason, it was from the moment those kids were born, like, I remember when my first son or my only son, when he was born, um, I had a day job still and I was working at an agency and someone had quit at the agency and they called me and they were like, hey, can you come back early from your maternity leave? Uh, we really need you. And I was, you know, like, this is my job. These are my bosses. They need me. So I ended up cutting my maternity leave like two weeks short so that I could go back. And, you know, those those early weeks, like time is so precious in those moments. And I ended up dropping him off at daycare and I was miserable in my job. And I was like, what am I doing? This is not worth it. I hate being here. And I was traveling for work um, to another city often. So I would drop him off at like six o'clock in the morning and not get back until seven o'clock at night. And I remember like picking him up and he smelled like the other daycare lady. And I was like, this doesn't even feel like my baby. Like it, it was so many weird, like, I don't even know how to explain it other than biological instincts to like be with my, be with my kid and be present with, with him. And then, you know, that turned to two and now I have three kids. Um, they are 12, nine and seven. So a different season than that now, you know, things have really changed since those early days. And I am working a lot more than I, than I did because they're in school and they have their friends and activities and they're busy. So it changed a lot, but back in the early days, that was definitely a driver for why I started. Yeah. Well, and what I love too, Allie, just in mentioning that, you know, I uh, you're inspiring to me because, um, you are really creating some event horizons with your kids and just for anybody who's listening that may not know the term, because I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but just event horizons are essentially whenever we do something that's out of the norm, where our brain can actually uh, break away from the monotony of things that we do all the time and actually elongate our perception of life. So time isn't moving any faster as we get older, but yet we experience that time is moving faster. But in reality, what it is, is our brain starts to collapse time on things that are very similar in our lives. And we start to fall into routines as we get older. So maybe we don't remember driving that same path to work every day, or 
We don't remember our morning routine. And so our brain is just collapsing that. So whenever we practice creating event horizons with our children, we are actually giving them the opportunity to elongate their memory because think about your childhood. Like you can think about the big things that you remember and they were usually something that was abnormal that happened. And those were milestone markers in in your brain's memory that actually served to create a fulfilled, more elongated life. And so anyway, I, I see you out there, you know, up north on beautiful, pristine lakes and and kayaking, doing all these amazing things with your kids. And I just love that you're doing that. So uh, how how hard is that for you? Like how much effort goes into to doing those things? I mean, a lot of effort. I'm, <laughs> I'm a sloth. Like I would rather just sit around and do nothing, to be honest with you. Like I would rather read a book or, you know, sit in my house in my comfy pants and like not leave. But I remember hearing a presentation that you gave where you were talking about these event horizons and how important they are. And just thinking about like the times that kids are on a screen or, you know, how often we're not doing things that are important. So I was like, well, we need a bucket list. Like we need to be really intentional. And like now my kids have me downhill skiing and like I'm not comfortable doing that, but I'm still out there on the slopes looking like an idiot and trying to learn and the you know water skiing and camping and my son wants to go like backpacking in the wild with no you know just like a tent and our backpacks so like I think my kids have learned to be really adventurous and it it's helped me get out of my comfort zone because I believe it's important to have some of those experiences and like this past summer we did a family road trip up to Banff National Park in Canada and my son and I rented bikes um, well, actually, we brought our bikes, but we rented bear spray and we biked up this mountain and we were hearing coyotes. And I was like, this is bad. This is bad. Like, this is not a good choice. I'm trying to be adventurous. I am way out of my comfort zone. Like, I am biking in the wilderness. I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, it ended up being this awesome memory where we got, we biked all the way to Lake Louise and we bought lunch there and we're like sitting on the rocks at Lake Louise eating this lunch. And, you know, it's like, had I not pushed myself out of my comfort zone, we would have never had that memory and that experience and the pictures overlooking, you know, the side of the mountain. And so I, I think it's been the core belief of mine to always do things that scare me or push myself out of my comfort zone. And it's definitely passing down to my kids and, you know, some more uncomfortable ways than others. I love that so much because the reality is, is our kids have a lot to teach us, you know, about how to sacrifice and how to love well and how to adventure. Uh, But a lot of times I think that, especially in the world we live in right now, things are really scary, you know? And I I think they always have been for parents, but now we have all this information that feeds all the scary stories to us. And so um, oftentimes, you know, I'll meet some parents and and they're just, they're, they're very fearful in a lot of ways, not just like of predators, of course, but also to like falling or you know, or if you do that, you could fail, you know, and, and just this almost like helicoptering or, or bound, you know, just boundaries are really tight in. Right. And so when that happens, you know, it's not just the kid who can lose out, it's the parent, right? Because you're experiencing all this joy and a lot, you're elongating your own memories by helping your child to have event horizons, which is super, super cool. Um, I remember one time we were in Arkansas, I, I drive my kids to a camp called Brook Hill Ranch Camp every summer. And uh, it's a camp that changed my life. I went there as a kid. And anyway, we drive and and it go, we're, we always stop in hot springs and we have these little things we do. We eat at Kilwin's ice cream. 
we go see the hot springs. Um, there's this little park we go to. So anyway, at the park, there is this tower at the top of this mountain, or I don't know if you'd really call it a mountain, but it's a really, really big hill that looks like a mountain. And anyway, one of my kids was like, hey, let's let's walk up there. You know, it's hot. It's really hot. And uh, I was just not feeling it. I didn't have the right shoes on, you know, this and that. But the, my kids talk about that hike up to the top, to the tower. And we went up to the top tower and we got pleasantly surprised because they had like a little touristy area with all these fun knickknacks and stuff. And then there was an elevator you could ride up to the top of the tower. And just like you're describing, like these adventures that, man, if we hadn't had that, those memories are so precious to me now. And my kids enjoyed it so much. And if I would have just been like, I have the wrong shoes on. <laughs> I don't want to sweat today. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's super inspiring. So we need to we need to work on saying yes to yes to our kids' adventures. But I love that you were intentional about having a bucket list. So do you literally have like a list where they've been like, I'd love to do this, I'd love to do that? Yeah. Yep. So we have a list of things that we want to do for each season and even travels that we want to go on. So each kid has a place that they want to go. And um, you know, like I I remember my parents did that for us when we were kids where we would take a summer road trip um, and we each got to choose a destination we wanted to explore. And my brother wanted to go to Washington, D.C. I was super into horses. So I wanted to go to this island called Assateague Island, where these wild horses, you can camp like right next to these wild horses. And my parents did that for us. And so I think that that helped plant the seed for me of showing them how big the world is and exposing them to some different things. And sometimes, I mean, we went to the all down the West Coast this last uh summer and we were in seattle and we were in you know we were around some scenarios that i wouldn't necessarily want my kids to be exposed to in some big cities and you know there's like drugs and homelessness and like stuff that i wouldn't choose to put in front of them but the conversations that we were able to have as a result and you know like teaching them about life choices and just all sorts of different people and learning about cultures and you know different regions of the even the u.s having different you know all sorts of different things i think sometimes we shy away from that too of like well they're little i don't want them to learn about that stuff yet and i don't know i i always think that it just creates better conversations and of course age appropriate will will relate it to how they can understand it my seven-year-old is going to understand it differently than my 12 year old but 100 yeah 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 so i think that's been important for us too well, bravo. I love that you brought that from a gift that your parents gave you. Now you're giving that same gift to your kids. And that, that's so powerful. Um, so talk to me about screens and and kind of what you guys have been through and what you're going through. And because uh, you're you're at that age, the 7, 9, and 12, I feel like that uh, preteen, uh, tween era is really, truly where the the rub with screens starts to really set in. And so where are you guys at? What's your current formula or what you're doing with screens in your home? Yeah, what we're currently doing is no screen time on um, Monday through Thursday, school days. And then Friday night, they get, and we'll usually do like a family movie on Friday night. But then Saturday and Sunday, um, if we're not busy, and we don't have a bunch of activities, then those days are more free for all day. So it's still more than I would prefer. And it's something that I think we're going to work on reining in a little bit. But um, it seems like it's, it's been a good balance for us so far. And one of the reasons why we started doing that and the way I explain it to my kids, too, is like, look at all the hours that you spend during the week and all the other things that you're doing during the week. You know, you're going to your sports and you're reading and you're coloring and you're doing projects and 
like you wouldn't have those hours to learn those skills and do those things if you were on a screen. So I just try to focus on what they're getting instead rather than like, oh, you can't have screen time or we're not doing that or I'm not taking something away. I try to position it as like we're doing something better or something more fun, which, you know, as a parent kind of puts the pressure back on us to make sure there are fun things to do, but <laughs> but it's so far that's worked. Yeah, that's part. amazing. And so what does that look like? Are your kids, um, when they are on screens, is it like iPads, phones? Yep. What do you have? Yeah, they each have an iPad. Okay, that's awesome. Um, and so are you doing like, are you playing video games? Are you on YouTube? Like, what are they? They, my son likes YouTube. Um, my daughters like Roblox is what they would spend their time on. Roblox and Minecraft. Yeah, oh yeah, Minecraft for sure. Oh my gosh. You know, it's so funny because Minecraft doesn't really necessarily age out, apparently. <laughs> but they don't play it as much as they get older and older. It just, uh, but it remains. Um, so what about, okay, so there is something very radical that you're doing. And I don't know if you recognize that it is radical. And, and you, you know, I hope that you, you know, you're patting yourself on the back because you you made a decision. Yeah, you should be because you made a decision and you don't have screen time during the week. And you're reclaiming all those hours for your kid. And there's just a lot of families that don't feel like they can do that. Um, and they and they are concerned or or they're not in. a. There are definitely people who are literally not able to do that, you know, because of whatever circumstances they have going right. it's on. Definitely a privilege to to make that choice. Yeah, for sure. And so for you, um, I, I just like I said, hope you're patting yourself on your back. But also, too, what what does that look like throughout the week? Let's just say it's Tuesday night and you guys go out for tacos somewhere and you're at a restaurant and your kids are bored. What does that look like for you? We do a lot of table games um, like we'll just silly. We used to do more of this when we were little or when they were littler. Now, now we just talk. Um, but when they were little, we would like close our eyes and somebody would arrange something on the table and we'd have to guess, you know, did the salt shaker get taken away or are there sugar packets missing? And we would just like play silly games with stuff that was at the table. Or I almost always have a busy bag of some kind um, that I keep in the back of my car. I actually have a whole tote in the back of my car that's got crayons and markers and coloring books oh, and love that. flashcards and memory and like all these different things. Have you ever seen those like books that fan out and it's all this random trivia like we keep those in my car and um partially because my son plays a lot of sports and my daughters get drug along to every activity and they're like mom i'm bored I want to be at another baseball game or a wrestling tournament so i always have this bin of entertainment and i'll swap out what's in there so that it stays interesting but um before the bin it was just like a shoulder tote that i would bring into restaurants and color with them and um, you know, try to keep them engaged while they're waiting. That's amazing. That is truly amazing, Allie. There's a lot of people who uh, just either didn't have the idea or they don't have the wherewithal or um, they don't make that decision because it's hard work, Allie. Like it's it's hard work to rethink about that stuff and then to have the patience and the will to actually pull the stuff out and engage. And a lot of parents, you know, um, I, I think at the core, it comes down to uh, us not taking care of ourselves so that we don't actually have the energy to give to our kids. Uh, what yeah. do you do to kind of reserve energy and make sure you can show up as your best self for your kids? I mean, there's plenty of times where I would rather just hand them my phone and like not have to engage <laughs> so I can just zone out or do whatever. Um, but I think 
I don't know if it's like so guilt driven that when I do that, I feel so bad or I feel like I'm being judged. Like, I'm sure that's part of it. Um, maybe it's because I'm judging. I don't know. But but it, I think it was such a core belief of mine that I felt guilty doing it. So I had to come up with other solutions of like, well, if I'm going to say no to the phone, but we're going to be sitting here for two hours, like what the heck else are we going to do? I don't want to sit here and hear that they're bored for the next two hours. So I think I I ended up trying to come up with different activities and making sure that I had that stuff available. Um, all I, I went on Target pickup app and I like added markers and coloring books and you know, just like all these little things that I could find and then got organization bags on Amazon and I just put it all together and I bought this plastic tote and just threw it all in there. It's usually a mess, but sometimes <laughs> but it's it there. It's there. And that's <laughs> yeah. what counts. It looked great at first. Now it's like just all this stuff, but we sometimes we can sort through it and find things. Do you so do you have like any self-care practices that you hold on to and that you're you're utilizing? Yeah, and I'm afraid to say them because sometimes when I do, people are like, oh, that's not realistic or I could never do that. And they like prejudge it before even trying it. But I get up at like four or five every single morning and I have for years. Like I think see. No, it's okay. It's fine. (laughs) My mouth dropped for those who are listening. It's like four or five. Ah. Usually it's five. Um, But I think it started when my kids were super tiny and I was trying to get my business off the ground. And that was the only time I had to work. So I would get up super early. And eventually, like, I think I just reset my my internal clock that now I will wake up at that time without an alarm. Um, But like when I was in college, just for reference, I would not schedule a class before 9 a.m. because I was not a morning person. So this is new for me. I'm not I'm not naturally wired. Like I'm a creative and a night owl until this, you know, last 10 years probably is when it all shifted. But, um, you know, I journal and I make sure that I I have a book that I'm reading and I try to read 10 pages every single day. I try to work out consistently um, and I try to eat really healthy. I don't drink alcohol. Like I have some of these is these have not always been the norm. Um, but I know that I show up best when I have these practices in place. Like I used to be a total, I know I used to stay up way too late watching Netflix. Like there were a lot of things that I used to do. And I know that I showed up more impatient and with less, less able to hold the space for my kids, um, when I was wired uh, a little bit differently. Hey, Powerful Parents, Stephanie here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Did you know that statistics show that 88% of Americans say they eat dinner with their family every night or a few times a week? I think that's a pretty awesome stat. But if you're anything like me and you're an entrepreneur, then after a day filled of putting out fires and maybe various events testing your patience, sometimes it's hard to think of questions that can help you really connect with your kids beyond the standard, how was your day? When my kids were just littles, I put together a list of questions to solve this problem and to help us have something to connect with over dinner time. And now I would love to share my curated dinner questions with you. This is good for littles and for bigs. There's lots of different varying questions in there. And these questions are going to help to ensure that the conversation is not just lively, but will bring you closer to your children while you enjoy a delicious meal together. As a listener of this podcast, you can get access to these questions at www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Once you're there, make sure to type in your best email and I'll have my team shoot over the questions for you. Once you get the questions, I encourage you to make this a family affair. Print them out. Have your kids help you cut them out. We even grabbed a mason jar, and my kids decorated it. 
And that's where we put all of our questions. And that same mason jar still sits on or near our dinner table to this day. We've been using these questions for close to eight years now, and I've really enjoyed the fun conversation and connection that's come from them. I hope your family enjoys them as much as mine have. Again, that's www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Now back to the show. Allie, I think that's awesome. And I'm glad that you chose to share it because you know, to me, 5 a.m. is like impossible, but I know it's actually not impossible. It just feels impossible because I love sleep. I, I'm a really good sleeper. <laughs> my aura ring tells me I used to get like a 97 and 98% on my aura ring, which is just like absolutely insane. It's, it's, it's so crazy. I was like, what in the world? And I would show people and they'd be like, that's, that's crazy. And so like, so not everybody's wired that way, you know? It's like our, we have different biological needs when it comes to sleep, and I can function on seven hours and not. Yeah, but but I can also, too, go to bed earlier. You know what I mean? Like, I can. I am more of the creative, so I do enjoy my nighttime creativity that springs into action and spending that with the kids. And um, and But I can, and I have been, actually, for the past year and a half or so, started getting to bed earlier and earlier. And... Oh gosh, it feels so much better to have the full amount of sleep that I actually need. And and but but the biggest thing I think that what you're doing for yourself is you are kind of putting that oxygen mask on first for yourself so that you can show up for other people. And and that's that's so powerful. And so if you're listening right now and you're like, oh, 5 a.m. Well, maybe it's not the 5 a.m. Maybe it's not not Netflix binging. Because I tell you what, I'll do that every once in a while. And you feel like this is going to make me feel better. <laughs> and at some level it does, but it's almost like a placebo. Like it doesn't actually make you feel better. You can space out from whatever's going on or, what, or whatever, just be entertained. Um, but ultimately, like, is that how you really wanted to spend your time? You know, um, is it really what served you uh, at the highest capacity? And so that's also to the achiever in me. And I know you're an Enneagram three too, right? Yeah. So we're always optimizing and looking for those kind of things. So if you're not an Enneagram three listening to this and you're like a nine or whatever, and you're like, y'all are crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. We, we completely understand. Um, one of the things too, that um, I've, I've heard you talk about, or you did a post recently on Instagram, which by the way, if y'all don't follow Allie on Instagram, you've got to, she's always given out an incredible value. Um, but you did a post just honoring a friend of yours who helped you have a revelation about something really cool to do with your kids when you're out and about. Would you tell everybody about that? Yeah. So I, in my um, business, I help people with expertises to create products and sell them, you know, like whether it's mini courses or whatever, it's a lot of people who have learned something in their job or in their lives and they want to create a product about it. And I had this client um, named Joy and she has actually since passed away from cancer. So this was even more special to me to remember this. Um, and she, she, her specialty was early literacy in kids. And I remember one time when I was working with Joy, I actually hired her for a consultation. She was going through, you know, my coaching program, but I hired her and I was like, I need help. <laughs> like my kids, I, I don't think they love reading. I think they would rather choose a screen than choose a book. And it's breaking my heart because I love reading and I want them to love reading. And she like laughed at me on the call. And she's like, Allie, every kid would choose a screen over a book. Like you don't have to feel bad. That's why they're designed to be addictive. They're designed to do that to our brains. Like not doing anything wrong. And I remember her telling me 
to put books all over the house. She's like, put them in your bathroom. Like, I know it's weird, but put a bin of books in your bathroom. Put a bin of books in your living room, in their bedrooms. Like, just have books stationed all over your house. So I started doing that. And then I started always bringing a book with me and putting it in my purse so that I, you know, had it if we were out and about somewhere and we needed a little bit of entertainment. Um, So it really helped me shift I mean, that's probably where this busy box evolved from is it started with a book and then it became like an entire collection of entertainment. But, um, you know, the other night, my one of my daughters takes horseback riding lessons and the seven year old, the baby hates going because it smells bad. And she's like, I don't want to be here. And it's an hour long. And um, she and I ended up sitting in a room and I had a book in my purse and we sat down and we read for the entire hour just sitting there and she's in my lap. And at the end, she's like, mom, that went so fast. And I'm like, yeah, it actually really did. So instead of fighting her the hour of like, you just need to sit down and stop whining and stop here annoying me. Like we just got to connect on a totally different level, but it was all because of um, some of the learnings that came from joy originally. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. So just essentially keeping a book or two that you could read with your kid in, in in your purse. Yeah. Yeah. And it's gotten easier as they're older and, you know, the books are smaller in their chapter books versus like having to have these like big picture books that you try to fit in your purse. I used to have to bring like three or four different books with me, but now that they're older, it's a little bit easier. Okay. So books, I think is something that I absolutely love. And I love that you're bringing them out with you. Um, One of the things I've been doing recently, and this all started, I think, because my homeschooling days and we, we, I learned about Charlotte Mason and the homeschooling method with Charlotte Mason. And I learned about a literary based approach to education. And I did not succeed at doing that very well. But what did happen was I filled my house with books and um, really great books, books that you just don't necessarily get exposure to in the public school system and just phenomenal um, books and adventures to go on together. And so I started a a habit of reading with my kids and it's one I carry on still to this day, not so much with my 21 year old, (laughs) but um, Journey and I still read together. We're working our way through the C.S. Lewis books right now. And then I have some personal development books that we work on with um, my 15 and my seven, well now 18 year old, he just turned 18. Oh my gosh. Um, and so, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like books help us to experience things together. Um, and I, and I think it was Sally Clarkson that really turned me on to this cause she was huge into books and she was someone I, I still follow to this day. I absolutely love this woman. She's shaped my motherhood journey. And, um, she would always just talk about diving into a world together and how it gives you a shared experience and learning and growing together and how powerful that is. And you know, I feel like sometimes it's overlooked as just like, oh yeah, we read a book together, but like, actually you're doing so much more and creating memories together. So I love that you do that. I think that's so phenomenal. Um, oh yeah. Sally Clarkson is amazing. And her daughter, Sarah grew up and wrote a book and, uh, uh, oh man, I forget the name of her book, but it's all about, uh, I think it's called story formed or something like that. And it's about how you're forming your child's heart and mind through story and how powerful that is. Um, So definitely check out Sally Clarkson. Uh, So Allie, talk to me about um, what does it mean for Allie Bjork to be a good mother? Like, what does that look like for you? I think we touched on a lot of it of, I mean, taking care of myself, first of all, because I know 
I mean, I saw this through COVID that I have, if I'm not taking care of myself and I'm not exercising, like I can fall into a pretty dark hole very quickly. Uh, so I've, I've learned that some of the things that I've set up in my life are non-negotiables for a reason, because uh, I know I show up so much better for my kids when I'm showing up for myself. So that's a big part of it. Um, and also really reminding myself, what is that? What's the end goal here? <laughs> you know, like the end goal is not to control these little people or, you know, be, I was raised in a very authoritarian style household where I didn't get a say, I didn't really have a voice growing up. Uh, so I think that's one reason why it was always super important for me to make sure my kids felt heard and felt like they were able to use their voices and their opinions mattered even when they were little that uh, I was very intentional and probably more on the gentle parenting side of things. Um, so I think treating them like the little humans that they are and respecting their life experiences and what they're going through and how they see the world and just being really curious about how they see the world uh, is what I consider being a good mom. I love that. I love that. That's so good. Uh, so whenever it comes to your journey right now in motherhood, are there any things that have bled over from business into how you parent that you can identify? Yeah, I would say, I think just the belief that you can do anything. And I know that sounds cheesy, but <laughs> it's like my 12 year old wants to be a major league baseball player and who doesn't? I mean, every, I think every little boy at some point wants that, but it, seeing what I've been able to accomplish in business just by believing it's possible, it's, I parent with, okay, well, how are we going to make that happen? Are there camps that you need to find? Do you need to do extra workouts? Do you need to find a special coach? Like, how would you actually make that happen in your life instead of just saying like, oh yeah, he's a dream. But there are actual real people who become major league baseball players. So how do they do it? How do you reverse engineer their journey so that you could have that too? There's no reason you can also yeah. be that. Like, I just, I think believing that all skills are learnable, which is something that I've had to learn um, through business because I didn't, I didn't necessarily believe that in the beginning. But having seen myself do some pretty crazy things because I believed it was possible, it's like, okay, so let's figure out the path. Let's you know, find the coach, find the mentor, make it happen. Um, and encouraging that through what their dreams are and helping them see that it's all possible for them. Mm hmm that's so good. And again, that leans into that intentionality because that part is so hard because kids can be so fickle. It's like, I want to be a veterinarian. And then it's like, I want to be a psychologist. I want to be this. I want to be that. And it can switch. Oh, job the, shadow. Let's go see what that actually means. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but then absolutely. I, we'll see. I mean, when he's 22 and not a major league baseball player, then what? Like maybe he's going to be crushed and mad at me that I led him to believe it was possible. I don't know. That's part of like <laughs> what I worry about too. But for now, we're just running and gunning <laughs> towards all their dreams. Absolutely. I love that. Uh, do you have any parenting soapboxes? Like, is there anything that absolutely drives you crazy about parenting in today's world yes. that you have oh a soapbox gosh. on? The egg cracking thing. Do you, did you see that? Oh, on yes. Like, stuff I like that. It. Okay. Yeah. For those who don't know what Allie and I are talking about, there was a viral trend that went through and essentially you would uh, watch a video and there would be a mother or you know a parent and some kids, but usually just one kid in the camera. And essentially the parent would grab an egg and then they would just smack it into the kid's face, like into their forehead like to crack the egg. They're like acting like they're having this cute baking experience and then yeah, smash then the egg. 
I just smashed the egg on the forehead of the kid. And, and, and it was all in an effort to get the response of the kid, which varied from uh, a laugh, but usually it was not a laugh. Usually it was, why did you do that? Or instant crying or anger and all of these emotions. And the parents would just be laughing, just like it was so funny at the sake of, of the child's emotions. So why, why is that a soapbox for you? I got goosebumps. I, I think just because like, it's not treating them the way we'd want to be treated. You know, like you wouldn't want to be embarrassed and you wouldn't want to be filmed and have abused, you know, like without, I don't know. I just, I think it totally felt disrespectful to the kids and, and you're supposed to be somebody who's safe and somebody they trust. And then to broadcast doing that and tricking them. I don't know. I think that's probably my soapbox is treating kids the way we would want to be treated, even though they're small. <laughs> yeah. What would you say to the parent who, uh, you know, again, we've already talked about personality types as far as like Enneagram goes, but there are those people who are more bent towards like maybe the Enneagram seven or whatever. They're just more bent towards fun and joking around. And they'd be like, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. And like, my kid needs to be able to get a joke. Like, what would be your thoughts on that? I don't know. <laughs> I would, I would, I think like know your kid well enough to understand their reaction to see if they took it as a joke and, and understand. I mean, maybe some of the kids who were laughing, um, but there were also kids who like punched their parents. Too totally. And, yes. Yeah. Straight think, up punch their parent. They were not having it. Yeah. Yeah. I think just the reminder of how you want to be treated and not if somebody did that to you, you probably wouldn't think it was funny. Yeah, especially if you were it's kind cool. of the... <laughs> like, yeah. Teach people or treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. So, so good. Um, so I know that, you know, you've had this drive right from the beginning uh, where that was your intention was to, you know, be a present mother, be intentional with your kids. And you've shared so many great ways to do that today. And I hope that everybody's been kind of taking notes on what lands for them. And maybe, maybe you're going to have a tote in the back of your car for your kids. And so you can say no to devices and yes to time together. Um, but I was wondering, do you have any words of wisdom or just advice to any parents who might be listening that um, maybe, maybe their thought process is like, golly, golly, I don't, think I can do all that stuff like would you have any advice for them or thoughts yeah I mean so my business is all about tiny offers right like launching small products so this whole start tiny concept seems like it it goes into all areas of my life and I would say start tiny you know you don't have to completely get rid of screens on a school day if you're currently doing that but like where can you replace an activity with something that's more, um, you know, more intentional or more engaged and, and challenge yourself to not need to numb out or not need to just, um, you know, disengage from your kid. Like where can you spend more time connecting and having conversations and getting on their level, I think would be, would be the place where I would start. You don't have to go cold turkey, you know, like where can you just start, start just testing out different things that might work for you. And then the other thing that has really helped me is remembering that every day is a new day. And even if I did crappy yesterday or my kids had way too much screen time and, um, or I'm not proud of how I parented, if I was short tempered or whatever, cause I've got a wicked temper too. Um, <laughs> like I think just remembering like the, the power of sharing your, 
sharing your actual feelings and apologies and starting over and just even refreshing yourself when you wake up of, I'm going to do uh, different today or I'm going to try something a little bit different. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Because I think kids are so resilient, aren't they? Like, it's it's not that we, I don't know, I think there's a, a balance, right, of um, when we do have a rough day or whatever, of just like, okay, I'm resetting myself. It's going to be better today. But also making sure to remember, you know, if need be, if the if the situation arises and you need to go chat with your kid and say, hey, I, mommy needs a do-over. That was a rough day yesterday. So sorry, I love you. You know, um, in, in, in combination with that kind of reset, uh, that's just powerful stuff right there. Like I've never gone to my kid and said, oh, that was really bad. I'm, I'm so sorry I responded that way. Um, you know, I love you so much more than that situation. And them go, sorry, mom. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not good with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't forgive you. You're, you're not forgiven. Uh, it's always met with so much love and compassion, which is really phenomenal. Now, when you get into the teenage years, it can get a little more dicey. But for the most part, if you're under 13, you, you got it good, uh, usually. And so kids are usually super resilient. And the teenagers are too. Sometimes it just takes more nuance and more work. Um, so great I'm advice. I'm going to listen to this in five years and be like, oh, you were so cute, Allie. You always was 12. You had no idea what was coming. Okay. Well, you're touching on one of my, my parenting soapboxes personally, um, which I would hope to encourage you and everybody listening in. And, you know, I've, I've got three kids in the teenage years and the biggest thing I could, I would hope to encourage you and everybody listening is that um, it doesn't have to be what the movies say it is. Just because you you think teenagers are going to get moody, the moment that they start to get moody, you're like, oh, here it is. It's here. But in actuality, many of the things that you see in movies and how teenagers just are, oh, that's just the way they are. Oh, we're here we are. We're in that stage. Um, I There's so much of that I didn't experience because of the connection and relationship I had with my kids. So instead of expecting it, not saying that you are, but you know, like, like reset the parameters of what it's going to look like. Cause think about it. George Washington, there's this book called do hard things. And I think in that book, they quote, and they say that George Washington was out surveying land on his own horse by himself at the age of 14 years old. It was super, super responsible. And I believe that our teenagers and our kids are so much more capable than what we actually have an expectation for them to be. And it actually hurts them in the long run because they don't learn. I'm capable. I, I can do this. And they start to understand who they are as a young kid growing into an adult, right? And so I think that would be my biggest admonishment to everybody listening of just like, just because the movies say this, and just because maybe you had an interaction with that teenager or whatever, or maybe you yourself were kind of that way as a teenager, but it doesn't have to go that way. It like legitimately doesn't through connection, through um, working through things in a different way than just like, oh yeah, that's just the way they're going to be. Um, you know, I just, we haven't had a ton of this, uh, crossing my fingers right now. I haven't had a ton of this like crazy teenager stuff. Cause I've had heard so many parents talk about the teenage years that they had with their kid. And they're just like, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was crazy. I can't believe we made it through that. And they're just completely different. And they, this and that. And I think it's just, I think we, we think that the teenage years, we don't have to change. We can still continue being the same parent we were when they weren't teenagers yet. But the reality is we have growth to do just as well as they do, because it's a whole nother level of emotional intelligence and connection. And if you don't accomplish that, then they are going to feel detached from you, which causes that separation. It causes rebellion. It causes 
distance and isolation. It causes so much of that stuff because they start to find that their peers understand them more than you do. Yeah. Yeah. And realizing that every kid is different. Like I remember as an adult, I met someone who worked with my mom. Um, and she said, wow, you had a really hard time with your parents growing up, didn't you? And I was like, why do you say that? And she's like, I just remember your mom in the conference room being like, oh, she's so hard. And I know it's not my parenting because my other two kids are fine. <laughs> and hearing that as an adult and then hearing you say that, it was like, you do have to change your parenting and you do have to understand that different personalities require different levels of connection and not just being like, well, I'm not going to change. It's not me. I'm not the problem. 100%. Anyway. <laughs> 100%. 100%. And and the kids are, that's why I always talk about like, there's no, the reason there's no parenting rule book is because it's impossible. Like every parent is different and each and every child is different. We can establish guidelines, which is the goal of this podcast. Like you can go, oh my gosh, Allie just told me about <clears throat> having a, a tote in the back of the car so that I can say this instead of screens. That's a guideline. That's a, a tactic that you can have that goes along with a guideline of, of course, we know screens in uh, mass is not good for kids. So we want to try to limit screens as much as possible. And so um, those guidelines are there, but oh my gosh, Allie, like you're so right. Like we just, we we have to change and know that who we are as a parent or who I am as a parent for Josiah is different for who I am as a parent for Jude, Jocelyn and Journey. Um, and that And that's hard, but that's why parenting is so great because it makes us grow. Yeah. And I think finding a community that can help with that renewal and help with those reminders is super important too. you know, making sure that you find your people that have the same values and and will help when you're, you know, if you're in a downward spiral and you've gotten busier as, you know, things happen and they come up. And if you can find a community that's reminding you of those values and kind of pulls you back to the surface of what how you want to parent and how you want to raise your kids, I think that's um, really helped me, too. Yeah, that's so powerful. I love it. Okay, so if you guys are listening, I want you to go check out Allie. Uh, Allie, what's your Instagram handle? I know you said that if, if people wanted to find you, they need to come over to Instagram. So where do they go to look? Yeah, so it's A-L-L-I-E-B-J-E-R-K uh, is my username. So Allie Bjerk is where I hang out the most. And I'm always posting stories and reels. And I love chatting with people who message me too. So if you listen to this and you want to say hi, please do. Yes, please pop over, tell Allie how much you loved her episode of this podcast. And Allie, thank you so much for coming on. I know this has been long overdue. You and I have some of the best conversations in real life and not that this isn't real life, but I wanted to share you with everybody, especially on this topic, because I just think that you're just amazing. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. I truly hope you enjoyed our episode today on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. I promise. If you were impacted by this episode, do me a favor and leave a review with a comment. I read every one of them and I also pass them along to our guests. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links at powerfulparenting.com forward slash podcast. If you want to see more behind the scenes with me and my guests, be sure to find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's where we can have deeper conversations on these podcasts. Take care. And remember, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about taking each day and working on showing up powerfully for our kids. They deserve it. And you are the parent for the job. See you on the next episode. <laughs>